0: Again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Uh, not across from me, but across from me through the power of the internet is, and you say your name because I can't really gesture at you.
1: <laughs> Adam Mendler. This is Adam. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this with me. So, as always, the first thing is who are you? What do you do?
1: Well, that's a good question. I don't even know how much time we have to answer that one <laughs> because right. it could be a long one, but. I do a bunch of different things. I'm an entrepreneur. I run a few different e-commerce businesses. I also do a lot of writing and speaking on leadership. My e-commerce businesses are in different industries. I have an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs. We're the leading sellers in the country of refurbished brand name chairs. So the Herman Miller Aeron chair, which is a $1,200 chair brand Mm. new, we sell refurbished for about $500 We do the same for other really high-end in-demand chairs. We have a cigar company called Custom Tobacco. If you go to customtobacco.com, you can create your own fully customized private label cigars in real time. We have a software development business where we work with early stage to middle market companies on custom software development. And I do a lot of writing uh, and speaking on leadership, on management, on business, on entrepreneurship. I speak to different companies. I speak to a lot of college students. I speak to nonprofits and I have my own podcast. So for any listeners who enjoy podcasts, who are tuning into this great podcast and are looking to discover a new one, I have a show called 30 Minute Mentors where Mm. I go one-on-one each week for 30 minutes with one of the most successful people in the country on how they got to the top and on how listeners can get to the top as well. So I interview founders and CEOs of household name companies. I interview celebrities and athletes. I interview generals and admirals on their best lessons for listeners so that anyone tuning in can become more successful with their careers and with their lives.
0: Yeah. Uh, Who's been kind of one of your favorites that you've had on And I know it's like, pick a favorite child, but
1: yeah. (laughs) I get asked that question a lot. Right. And I actually give that answer all the time, which is how can you pick a favorite child? I I know my parents have an easy time whenever anyone asks them who their favorite child is. (laughs) They always say me, but they actually don't say me. Their favorite is obviously their grandkids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's
0: a a good cop out there.
1: (laughs) But I actually mean that authentically. They like them a lot more than they like us. (laughs) But, which is understandable. I mean, they're great. They're both three years old. So, who would <laughs> like them more than their grandkids, than their kids who are in their 30s? Mm-hmm. So, but I have had so many guests on who have been so awesome. Santiago, I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but as of the recording of this episode, mm. I've had 19 episodes go live. And each of the 19 guests has had such an awesome and unique and extraordinary background and story and set of experiences and items of advice that they were able to share with me and with listeners that it's impossible to pick a favorite. Mm. So I, I,
0: <laughs> I know that
1: that's a bit of a cop-out, but it's the honest answer because yeah, yeah. I just can't pick one. It's too hard.
0: Yeah. That just means that people are just going to have to listen to all of them. Oh, darn. <laughs> what,
1: <laughs> what I will say, Santiago, is my advice to anyone potentially interested in checking out the podcast and thinking about where do I start? And Adam isn't telling me to pick this one. Adam isn't saying, listen to the Rob Lowe episode or listen to the episode with the CEO of Gold's Gym or mm-hmm. listen to the episode with Suzanne Summers. Mm-hmm. What I do recommend is start off with a guest who you think is most interesting to you. Yeah, And I think that might be different for each listener listening in. So you, Santiago, might be especially interested in the guest I had on that we released the episode today, the... And I don't know, I'm just making this up, but my guest (laughs) this week was a guy named Victor Rojas. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Angels. So a very inspiring guy, very inspiring personal and professional journey. If you're into baseball or even if you're not into baseball, a Mm -hmm. great episode. Someone might be really interested in my guest last week who was – the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the highest-ranking military officer in America, yeah. primary military officer to President Obama, General Martin Dempsey. So, whoever you're most interested in, I would say start from there, and then hopefully you you enjoy and subscribe, and that's you know
0: that'd yeah. be awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, with you, let's start at the beginning. So. And like real, real beginning, Uh, you got your undergrad in political science. So why, why did you start with political science?
1: Really good question. So I actually have two undergraduate degrees. One is a degree in business and the other is a degree in political science. And when I got accepted into college, I did my undergrad at USC Mm -hmm. here in LA and When I got into USC, I got admitted into this uh, special undergraduate business program. It was called the uh, Business Scholars Program. Normally, you apply to USC Business School while you're a sophomore in college and you find out whether you get accepted and you can start Mm -hmm. your junior year. I got accepted to the special program and I started my freshman year. It was—it yeah. felt like a really big deal at the time when I was 17 and 18. <laughs> now that I'm double that age, it's not quite as big of a deal anymore. Right. But um, the idea really was that if I was going to go to USC and I was going to go to a, an expensive school and go to a, a school that is very professionally focused, I obviously wanted to make sure that I was going to get my money's worth out of The experience, not only my money's worth in terms of the actual money spent, but also the time invested. But business and studying business, I can't exactly say that even though I'm in business, I can't exactly (laughs) say that that was ever my passion. Political science is always something that I was more interested in. Mm. I always viewed business as the practical degree and political science as the fun degree. Yeah. And I wanted to develop uh, and, and walk away from college with as well-rounded a background, as well-rounded uh, a set of studies as possible, and mm-hmm. walking away with uh, a liberal arts and so- social sciences pedigree to complement the coursework that I was doing in business school Allowed me to do just that. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that I loved studying. The political science classes weren't classes for me. They weren't, it wasn't like I would show up to class and feel like I was doing work. It was just fun. I loved it. I had one professor who I took, I wanna say four classes with. He was, I just love Professor Cormier. I love the guy, unbelievable. And I just would count down. To his classes. I would, I literally would look forward to Professor Cormier's classes. They were so enjoyable for me. I learned so much. His lectures were just awesome. I was, it was like watching a great movie. So uh, man, it was fun for me. Mm -hmm. So that is why I study political science.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you immediately go on to, uh, your MBA or did you try to, start a business right after your undergrad.
1: So I took door number three. I took a job. I moved okay, to yeah. New York and I worked for what was then the largest hedge fund in the world, a company called D.E. Shaw. I worked there for about two and a half years and I went the corporate route. I did that. Then I got my MBA. So okay, after working for D.E. Shaw, I- felt like I had enough experience to be competitive at a good business school. So I sent out my application to pretty much all the top business schools in the country and got into a few of them and wound up deciding to come back home to UCLA. Yeah. Largely because I have a really hard time with any weather below 75 <laughs> degrees. So
0: I know that feeling LA is one of
1: the few cities that I could survive in.
0: Oh yeah. Um, so then, how how would you relate your? Uh, I actually recently got my master's, and I feel like, I, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like during my master's, I was learning so much stuff that I'm like, this seems so basic. That why didn't I learn this in my undergrad? Uh, do you kind of relate to that, or, or was it uh, how what, different what was, was your ma-
1: Santiago? What was your master's in?
0: Uh, music composition.
1: Okay. Um I mean dude you're you're light years it, it, I mean having a masters in music composition I man I mean I'm in awe I'm in envy. <laughs> so the things that you learned in your masters program my God, I, I would need to start in sort of the kindergarten version of music composition.
0: Well, sure, but so, I'm saying like the
1: yeah, no, I get it. I, yeah, I get yeah. your question, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying like that's that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> what I would say is, interestingly enough, business school is less about what you learn inside the classroom and more about what you get outside of the classroom. Hmm. You're Largely there for the relationships, the relationships with your classmates, the relationships with alumni. I I think that you can learn a lot. I think you could also go through the two years of business school without really learning much. A lot of it really depends on what you put in. Mm -hmm. But the two biggest things that most people take out of business school, number one, relationships, and number two is branding. So. When you walk out of a top MBA program, there's a perception that you know your stuff, whether you actually know your stuff or not, (laughs) people feel like you do and will take you more seriously. Mm. So it's like, if you have a degree from Harvard, people think that you're smart. You might be a complete dumbass, but people might not necessarily pick up on it right away because they (laughs) say, Hey, wait a minute. You went to Harvard. You can't be a dumbass. Right. Exactly. it's kind of like having an MBA. Oh, you got to know about business. He's, he went to (laughs) a business school.
0: Yeah. But then it's how you apply it. Right. So then, uh, what was the, uh, how did you first start your first business and what was that? Why, why did you start it? What was your motivation for it?
1: So back in 2012, which feels like a lifetime ago, (laughs) We, my brother and I started the Velos Group, and the Velos Group is the parent company for our different businesses. Mm-hmm. And when we started the Velos Group, we had a ton of ideas that we wanted to push on. We had probably 10 different ideas. And what we did was we took all those ideas, we wrote them down not on a piece of paper, but on a Google spreadsheet, on a Google Doc. And we spent that first year to year and a half, pushing on all those different ideas. And it was a really fun moment for us. It was a fun time period. We had just a great time, a great experience. It was exhilarating. And uh, we burned through all of our money. We had no (laughs) idea what we were doing. And about a year and a half in, uh, I had this come to Jesus moment, which was a big deal for me because I'm Jewish. So for me to have a come to Jesus moment (laughs) was kind of crazy, but that's what happens when you burn through all of your money. And we realized that we had to focus on the ideas that were closest to actually making money and actually becoming real businesses. So Mm -hmm. the two that we picked were the two that I mentioned on the onset of the show, Mm -hmm. the office furniture company, Beverly Hills Chairs and the cigar company custom tobacco. Mm. We selected those two, we pushed on them, and over the years we've turned them into national companies where we're selling to lots of brand-name customers with Beverly Hills chairs. We sold chairs to the US Senate. We've sold chairs to I'm, I'm assuming Santiago the show is going to be streaming on Spotify. We yes. sold chairs to Spotify. Yeah. So <laughs> It's kind of cool to go from concept to early stage company to business that is servicing customers all over the country and all over the world. So it's been quite a ride.
0: Yeah. Uh, What are the big upfront hurdles that you have to jump over to really get from just an idea on the drawing board to really making that first Sale and being like, wow, we can actually do this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There are a number of hurdles that you have to overcome. And a lot of it depends on the business that you're in. If you're in a service business like our software development business, Mm. those hurdles are going to be different than if you're in a product business like Beverly Hills Chairs or Custom Tobacco. Mm -hmm. For a service business like Velo Solutions, our software development business, it's a little bit less complicated because what you essentially need to do is first and foremost, be able to deliver the service that you say you can deliver. Sure. And secondly, find someone willing to pay for the service that you're offering. Yeah. So if you could do those two things, you're in business. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, those two things are hard. So there's a reason why a lot of people don't last very long in business, even in service businesses, is because it's really competitive and it's hard to, firstly, it's really hard to get customers. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it's hard to run a business. So even though at a high level, it sounds kind of simple, those two things can be quite challenging. Sure. When you're Running product based businesses, it becomes a lot more complex because you're then talking about logistics. You're talking about much more sophisticated operations. I could tell you that with Beverly Hills chairs, the first customer who we shipped a chair to was, I won't say his last name, but his first name was John. Mm. And we shipped a chair to John, and John received his chair. And the first thing he did after he received his chair, was he went on Yelp and gave us one star. <laughs> and I saw that one star Yelp review rating and as the CEO of the company, it was my job to get in touch with John and fix this situation. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I call up John and first thing I say is, John, I want to introduce myself. I'm the CEO of Beverly Hills Chairs. We're a brand new company. You're one of our first customers. We just started shipping chairs out and we completely messed up. We completely screwed up. Everything you said on Yelp is completely accurate. And you probably could have been even harder on us. And we, we totally messed up. We're learning. We're growing. Here's how we're going to rectify it. Here's how I'm going to rectify it. Mm-hmm. He changed his one star to a five star. But more importantly, by making mistakes early on, we learned how to run a business the right way. Yeah. So one way of answering your question, Santiago, is to learn how to run a business, to learn how to go from no sales to sales. You need to screw up. You need yeah. to make mistakes. You need to learn from them and you need to keep a positive attitude and just push forward.
0: Yeah. So then even from those humble beginnings at, you know, first sale, how do you go? I mean, you get going, I'm sure, but then you eventually decide, what about another one? (laughs) So not only are you managing one business, but then you're stacking more work on top of it. Uh, How do you get to that decision? And then how do you kind of manage your time now that you have multiple
1: businesses going on? Yeah, really good questions. The most important thing is surrounding yourself with good people because it's impossible to build one business without a really good team around you, let alone build and operate multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening who's interested in entrepreneurship, interested in starting their own business, growing their own business, scaling their own business, understands or needs to understand the importance of team. Any leader understands or needs to understand the importance of having the right people around you and empowering them to be the best that they can be. Because we all have only so much that we can give. There are only so many hours in the day. And there's only so much that we're good at. I could tell you that I am really, really bad at so many things in life and so many things in business that if I had to try to start a business by myself and I couldn't have other people help me with the business, no matter what the business is, I would be incapable of getting anywhere because we're all humans with very human limitations. Mm -hmm. So, Anyone thinking about starting multiple businesses should extend that same philosophy and that same mindset and recognize the importance of having great people around you, great people who are capable of really driving things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, we're kind of talking about stuff in a very kind of broad uh generalization that kind of applies to different stuff, but I kind of want to know a little bit about the nitty gritties of like, how good is your email game? And like talking to people in meetings and showing up and looking all right for the thing. Like these are kind of nitty gritty things that make up most of your life. What are, what are the little things that stack up? to make your job and make you good at your job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to take this in whatever direction you want to take it. If you want to talk (laughs) about how I get dressed in the morning or (laughs) how I manage my email or my calendar, however, I can be of greatest value to your listeners, happy to go there. So, Santiago, I'll, I'll really let you kind of drive this conversation and Right. I can well, provide whatever insight and advice I can.
0: Right. Well, I think that there's, there's this perception of like what a CEO is um, and then what you're kind of really doing. And yeah, what you're talking about is like this uh, being a leader and being responsible for mistakes, but the like literal physical things that are happening. Like, uh, yeah. So eventually you get good at writing an email, whatever that might be. So it's like, there's, there's the little details in here that I'm kind of interested because it's those little, those little details throughout the day that kind of separate you from any other person. Kind of like for me as a musician, there's a way that I would do something, even if it's just a little thing, uh, that separates me from the hundreds of other musicians that there are. So, what kind of makes?
1: Yeah, so so that's yeah. kind of why I'm San I'm happy to to really harp on any one of these subjects and go deep with you. I've been interviewed on all kinds of topics. I actually did an interview this morning that was a 30 minute interview and the topic was purely on how to talk to strangers mm. how to cultivate connections with strangers and it was a really fun interview because i don't really have too many interviews like that kind of to your point most of the interviews that i have are on how to become a better leader how to lead a business how to become a better entrepreneur things along those lines mm-hmm. but to go really deep on any one topic is a ton of fun for me. So you could pick whatever is you think is most interesting and happy to go do a deep dive on it. Um, well, sure. Uh, let's
0: something that I don't know anything about. Let's talk about custom tobacco and what is the most, I don't know, detailed highbrow thing that you've gone into your custom tobacco thing and like, wow, why am I spending my time on this? But on on the end of it, it really does make a difference. But there is like a, what's what's the thing in there that's really just nitty gritty.
1: <laughs> I can give you an example of that, Santiago. So if someone goes and visits customtobacco.com and spends time on our website, they will hopefully have a good experience on the website maybe buy something, maybe refer a friend. I'm not sure how much a user of our website will realize the amount of work that went into it on our end, Mm -hmm. on my, not, not just me, because again, this isn't specifically about me. This is about everyone on my team, but myself included. How much time we've each put into that website. Mm -hmm. So you, you selected custom tobacco as an example, could say the same for any one of our websites, Mm -hmm. but the amount of time and energy and effort and dedication to detail, focus, attentiveness. I mean, we're talking about literally an immeasurable amount of time. Mm -hmm. And even the color scheme of the site. So when we first started Custom Tobacco, Our idea was that custom tobacco was a business that would be extremely resonant among hardcore cigar smokers. Like my brother.
0: Hmm. My
1: brother is a cigar connoisseur. I'm Hmm. not. I I don't smoke cigars. I'm into health and fitness and nutrition. (laughs) My brother is a hardcore cigar guy. And our idea was that people like my brother who loves cigars would love nothing more than to have their own customized cigar with their own private label that they could Mm. show off to friends, that they could smoke themselves. And we were completely wrong. That Mm. customer profile has not been our customer. (laughs) That customer profile has actually not really been into our business model because what Mm. we found is that that customer – Has their own brand of cigars that they like, that they're extremely loyal to already. And they're not interested in switching off of that brand Mm -hmm. to create their own brand. What we have found is that the two groups that really like our business, that really like what we've created, are number one, gift givers. So when you think about how hard it is to find the perfect gift for, the man in your life, that man could mm. be your husband, your boyfriend, your dad, your brother, your uncle, your client, your boss, your buddy, whomever. Really hard to buy gifts mm. for men. That's been one category that this site has been, this business has been really resonant with. And the other category has been event planners. Mm. Because when you think about how to take an event to the next level, whether it's a golf tournament or a wedding or a corporate event, this is the perfect product. And the website that we initially designed was designed with the customer like my brother in mind. The Mm -hmm. old website felt like a cigar shop. It felt like you were in a cigar lounge with this old school, really classy feel where you were, it it just felt like you were in a Beverly Hills exclusive cigar lounge. And that isn't who our customer is. Mm -hmm. And given that that's not who our customer is, we completely redesigned and rebranded our site to appeal to our actual customer. Our customer is majority female. So Mm -hmm. the majority of and Santiago, I'm, I'm not a sexist person. I'm not a person who likes to make generalizations, but I will make one here. Sure. On balance, women are more thoughtful than men. <laughs> they they just are. So when it comes to just in general, women are thoughtful. When it comes to giving gifts, women are way more thoughtful than men. Mm-hmm. So women, now we do send we do sell to some thoughtful men who are thoughtful and buy gifts for men because they, they think about it, but women tend to put in a lot more time and care and effort into finding the right gift. So we needed to create a website that would resonate with women. Hmm. Event planners are majority female. We needed to create a website that would resonate with women. So the color scheme and the branding and the design of our website has completely shifted To reflect who our customer is. So that's a bit of the nitty gritty and Mm -hmm. just an example of something that we've spent hours and hours and hours in the weeds on. And someone visiting our site might not necessarily know the backstory. They probably wouldn't have any reason to know the backstory. (laughs) They might not necessarily know how much time and energy and effort we've invested into that site. Mm -hmm. But I could tell you on the back end, it's been a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess last one on this front uh, or really just what's something about you that people don't normally know about?
1: Mm. Well, I I think that a lot of people – and I I alluded to this a little bit earlier – I think a lot of people don't necessarily, and this is people who don't know me. So Mm. people who know me know this, Mm -hmm. but I think people who don't know me don't necessarily realize just how bad I am at most things in life. (laughs) People who know me know that very well. My friends, my family, girls I've dated, uh, girls I've tried to date, um, random acquaintances, they know how, how bad I am at, at most things. <laughs> but I think a lot of people from the outside looking in don't necessarily appreciate that. But trust me, listeners, if you're first connecting with me, you're connecting with someone who's really bad at most things in life. <laughs> so hopefully that answers your question.
0: Right. But that is a good skill to have, to be able to tell people that, uh, I might mess up in this thing. So
1: it's it's admirable. Not I might mess up. I will mess up. <laughs> you don't want me going near a lot of things.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, switching gears, um, and there's no good transition for it. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life?
1: Hmm. So I am Jewish. I did mention my come to Jesus moment that— mm-hmm did not make me literally come to Jesus. So, uh, I came to Jesus figuratively, but I am a member of the tribe. I attended Jewish schools all the way through high school. So that's something that people might not know about me. Going back to your previous question Mm -hmm. is that my education was in the Jewish school system. Mm -hmm. My first day outside of Jewish school was my first day of college. My first day in public school was my first day at UCLA business school, getting my MBA. So that is something a little bit unique about me. And I think that spirituality and religion is very personal and it's something that everyone digests and interprets a little bit differently. It's definitely something that I believe in, it's definitely something that i incorporate in my life am i the most observant person no am i the am i the best person or the most stringent person when it comes to practicing different rules absolutely not but i have very strong beliefs and my strongest belief is in the importance of Treating other people well. I believe in the platinum rule. I'm sure you've heard of the golden rule. Yeah, yeah. Treat others the way that you would like to be treated. I'm a believer in the platinum rule, which is treat others the way that they would like to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I try to live my life. So I do incorporate some of the things that are part of my upbringing. But I I also try to incorporate just a general sense of ethics that, does it emanate from religion? Does it emanate from my parents? Does it emanate from my own internal sense of right versus wrong? It's really hard to answer that, but I think that we each have a, a code that we have to live by and it's important that you incorporate a deep sense of ethics into whatever you're doing in your work and in the way that you live your life.
0: Yeah. Um, As a kind of like disclaimer, I guess, uh, I asked the question uh, not because I am religious, because I'm actually not religious. I've had people assume that in the past. uh, And so there's nothing that you can say that will offend me or whatever. So I just want to like make that clear that
1: like, yeah, and uh, I'm actually open to this conversation. And I mentioned to you, Santiago, and to your listeners a little bit earlier in the show that I did an interview this morning. And the topic of the conversation was how to cultivate conversations with strangers. And one Mm. of the questions I was asked was, is there anything that you should not talk to strangers about? (laughs) And my answer was, interestingly enough everyone assumes that you should never talk about religion and politics. Those are the Mm. two things that you never talk to strangers about. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Right. I think that when you are talking to strangers, it's really important to get a feel for the person that you're talking to and talk to them about what they want to talk about. Talk to them what they're interested in, not necessarily what you're interested in. I love baseball. If you and I want to do a, five hour podcast on the <laughs> angels. Great. We could do a five hour podcast on Mike Trout and David Fletcher and Upton and Rendon. And a lot of your listeners probably have no idea who I'm talking about, I but no that's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the point is because that's not why I'm here. Sure. I'm not here to talk about the angels and to talk about baseball. So mm. if don't necessarily, um, assume what the person you're connecting with is and isn't comfortable talking about. So in my case, I'm happy to talk about religion, happy to talk about spirituality. Yeah. And, um, I'm happy to talk about anything you like with your listeners. Sweet.
0: Um, then going with the deep cut, uh, what is your definition of God?
1: Um, I believe in God. I I don't know that I have a an actual Webster's <laughs> definition. I don't even know that I have an urban dictionary definition. What is your definition?
0: Um, well, my answer is really long and long-winded, but uh, I've answered that on the podcast a number of times. Um, okay. But I think the, the nature of the question is not so much that you have this written out thing, but it's really just like what... You feel, at least in this moment that I'm asking you the question.
1: (laughs) Well, I I do believe in God. That is definitely, I I might, I might lose a portion of your audience by Mm -hmm. by saying that. Hopefully not guys. I'm, I'm, you know, but, but, uh, I, 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 do believe in, uh, in a higher being. Sure. Um, then the
0: corollary to that. I don't like that it's a yes or no question. I'm still working on it, but is free will an illusion and how is it or is it not?
1: Is free will an illusion and how is it or how is it not? I don't believe that free will is an illusion. Okay. I do believe that we have free will. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's,
0: that's a harder thing. Well, so- I guess, how, what is the source of the free will versus like, are our actions determined by our genes and our environment? Or is there something else that is inside us that allows us to escape those things that sort of tend to predetermine our fate?
1: So a lot of these questions are, are definitely above my pay grade. I think that I, I have my beliefs and I have my thoughts, but I'm by no means an expert. I don't know that any one of us is an expert, but that's the point. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I believe that we have free will. I believe that we can decide to do what we want to do. I could decide to right now, um, Stop this podcast and take a sip of water, and come back on this podcast, and go and grab a bite to eat, and turn my computer off, and go mm-hmm. go right now and do twenty push-ups. And I probably can't do a thousand push. I definitely can't do a thousand push-ups, <laughs> but I can do twenty. I can, can do a little bit more than twenty, yeah. but so I believe in free will. I also believe that there is a higher authority out there. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, So then, because I'm looking at the time, uh, how do we reduce the division that seems to kind of permeate life, especially now with a literal division with uh, isolation, but... Uh, Also, just the division in politics, division in philosophies, and how do we uh, unite a little bit more?
1: I think a, a big first step is listening. I think a big first step is not being so quick to throw a punch at the person who has an opinion that is different than you who has a perspective that's different than you. I think that engaging in respectful dialogue is an important step that we can take. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah. I think that adding civility to the tone of our conversation can go a long way. So I think that those are some things that at least on a interim basis can help heal some divisions and can help reduce the temperature a bit. Yeah. I don't think that that's the answer in terms of the long-term issue that we're facing. So, Mm. I don't think that that's a a structural solution to the problem, but I think that that's at least a way that we can reduce the temperature.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Best. The best, and as far as I can tell, the only real way to make things better is through education. Yeah, I just think that there is so much misinformation out there, and there are so many people out there who are so easily susceptible to misinformation, and the best way to fight misinformation is through education, mm-hmm. and. It starts at an early age. It starts at, it's, it's hard to tell someone at age 55, you know, hey, you need to start learning now because that's a bit condescending. Hmm. But I think it's really important to, at as early an age as possible, really provide as high a quality in education as we can so that we're not building a generation of people who are as susceptible to the type of misinformation as this generation is.
0: Yeah. Um, couple more questions for you. Um, well, actually three more. Uh, what makes
1: you content? Being on this podcast.
0: <laughs>
1: what else is there? What else do I need in life? <laughs> I appreciate
0: that. Um, and then a question that I've been told Wayne Coin likes to ask people, uh, when will you be satisfied?
1: <laughs> I'm satisfied right now, man. I mean, do I seem dissatisfied? No, it's a question that dude, I ask everyone. Dude, I'm I'm this is as satisfactory a conversation as I'll maybe ever have. So <laughs> are you kidding me? This is satisfaction right here. In um, school, you when you get your report card back, and you get that S, and it says, "Satisfaction, satisfied, dude. I'm I'm right there, I'm satisfied."
0: <laughs> um, and then lastly, and quite possibly most importantly, cake or pie.
1: <laughs> uh, that's actually the hardest one because I'm a really right. healthy eater, so <laughs> I might have to punt on that one because. <laughs> My dessert is fruit. I'm mm-hmm. boring in that sense i'm I'm super healthy about what I eat and when you ask what people what would surprise people about me that's not gonna surprise anyone about me anyone who knows <laughs> me knows that and gives me a really hard time about it so
0: <laughs>
1: yeah so fruit
0: uh I'll, I'm not sure if I can add i like that berries to a cake how about some pie? blueberries yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. had some
1: blueberries this morning. <laughs>
0: um, that well, makes me satisfied, having Thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, where can we find you and your stuff that you're doing?
1: Santiago, this was a pleasure. I am sorry to your listeners that I didn't necessarily prove that there's a God out there or that I didn't necessarily... <laughs> prove that we have free will. That's never the point. (laughs) I definitely had the free will to be on this show. And I'm (laughs) excited that I had the opportunity to join you. I'm appreciative that you gave me this platform and the opportunity to spend time with you and with your audience. Your listeners can find me by just punching in my name. I try to make it as easy as possible. So my website is adammendler.com. My social media is at Adam Mendler, so on Instagram, at Adam Mendler, on Twitter, at Adam Mendler. My podcast, 30-Minute Mentors, you can find by typing out 30-Minute Mentors, going to 30minutementors.com, or going to your favorite podcasting app, whatever app you're listening to this tremendous podcast on, write in, 30-Minute Mentors, listen, subscribe, and hopefully enjoy As much as I've enjoyed this.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Santiago. This was great. I really enjoyed it. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. You can find all the stuff that I do with Power Cycle. That's streaming everywhere. Too Many Damn Cables is an album that is out. Uh, We are hoping to have another album out Uh, and maybe even an EP, uh, sometime this year as well. And, um, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you find great podcasts and you can comment and review and stuff. Tell your friends about this podcast. And I always end my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails.
1: It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.